Don't look to the right or to the left. Look straight upon you, Jesus. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Trust you never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Trust in who you say you are. Trust in who you are, Lord. Trust in who you are, Lord. Come on, just offer up your worship this morning to
song back to the Lord and just sing this. wonderful. God, we come into this place to lift you up. We come into this place to worship you this morning. Lord, you are just so incredible. 
and so wonderful. We are so grateful, Lord, for everything that you are, God. We are so grateful that you love us so much. We are so grateful that you are seated on the throne, that no matter the, what craziness this world goes through, it does not affect that you are Lord, that you are God, that you are holy, that you are wonderful, that you are mighty, that you are healer, that you are the creator. Lord, you are amazing. And we just recognize we take a moment, we stop our crazy, busy lives, and we take a moment just to recognize how awesome you are. Our song this morning is the same as the angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Lord, you are amazing. God, I pray as we're in this place today, Jesus, that you would just speak to us. God, I pray that our hearts would be open. It would be like that good fertile soil that we read about in your word. God, ready to receive your truth, ready to receive your promises. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in this place today. God, I pray that you would speak to some things that, that we brought into this place. Maybe a stressful situation, maybe a scary situation, maybe just something that is draining the life out of us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to that this morning. God, I pray that each and every person that is in this place, each and every person that is watching online right now, that we would just be open to what you have for us today. That we wouldn't have an agenda other than, God, have your way in me. Lord, do what only you can do in this place. Do what only you can do in my life. God, I pray that not one word that leaves my mouth this morning would be mine, but each and every word, Lord, ordained anointed by you, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. How many believe we serve a holy God? Amen. amen. Listen, church, we're so glad that you chose to be here this morning with us. We love you so much. We're excited that you're here. Hey, can you do me a favor before you're seated? Can you turn around and just welcome someone to church this morning? Amen. All right. We want to say welcome to Northville Christian Assembly this morning. If it's your first time here, we want to say thank you for visiting. We hope that you don't stay a visitor. We hope that uh, you find a home here. We're so thankful for your time and, and that you chose to be here this morning with us. Um, just a couple quick things, a few housekeeping items before we dive into the sermon today. Um, I'm sure everyone noticed the smell when you walked in, all right? Um, I know Pastor Raymond addressed it, but we're trying to be a good steward of what God has blessed us with in this building. And we needed some, some repairs done on the roof, and we're trying to get it done as soon as possible, but, you know, we're having to work around rain and, and things of that nature. So please bear with us. Uh, we know it's not the most pleasant smell in the world, but we are working through that. We got doors open, uh, fans going, and we're trying to deal with that, but uh, by next week we should be good to go. Also, um, just one quick thing, and, and the only reason why I'm sharing this is because so many of you guys have been praying for us. And um, I hope it's, I'm not sharing this too soon, but 
uh, we put an offering on a house and it was accepted. And so, yeah. It's in uh, Toledo. And, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Thank you for the mercy laugh. I didn't know how that was going to land, but thank you for the mercy laugh. Um, no, seriously, uh, it's in Canton. And so if you could just continue to pray um, that uh, we have to pass some inspection and, and things like that. But um, honestly, I mean, at some point I'll, I'll kind of lay the whole thing out for you and just how God does what only he can do. I was sharing with the staff this morning. It, it is incredible. I, I just want to say this. If there's anything I've learned, don't, don't ever think a request that you have is too small for God. Don't ever think that. Because there's been times in my life where I've sat down and I've written a list of things out that I've said, like, Lord, you guys, you guys were on this list. When we were looking for a church, in the past when we've been looking for a home, we'll just begin to write things down. What are things that are important to us? And we begin to write it down. And, and God just goes through with his ink pen and goes, check, check, check. The, this house, just not to get too far into the weeds, but... You know, the houses here, like, lots aren't huge, okay? The first house we owned uh, in, in the Flint area had two and a half acres, and that wasn't all that crazy. So when we're here and we're looking at, like, a quarter of an acre and all that stuff, we're like, oh, man, the driveway's not all that big. How are we going to have everybody over our house, the staff, the deacons? How are we going to manage parking and all that stuff? And, and just, I know not everybody gets wrapped up into those details, but that kind of stuff weighs on my mind. I'm like, where are we going to put everybody when we invite them over? And this house is on a corner lot, so we have like twice the amount of uh, curb, I guess, where people can park, you know, when they come over. And it's just, it's little things like that, that God is just so good. We are just singing of the goodness of God. That is the goodness of God, where he just says, I got you. You're worried, you're concerned, things that you don't even have to voice. God says, I know what's on your heart. I got your back. You don't need to worry. So this morning we are so Thankful, we're excited. Again, we do have to pass an inspection. I am praying that I don't have to give a different type of update next week, you know, uh, sharing bad news. But uh, we're really praying that this works out. We'll be within 15 minutes of the church. And uh, we can't wait to have all of you over, not at one time, but all of you over to our house <laughs> for an incredible meal uh, that my wife will make. So anyway, <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want me cooking. My kids, so every once in a while when Amber's, she takes off. They'll go, oh, dad, you're doing dinner tonight? Yep. Like, where are we ordering from? Like, they already know. You know, I grill a little bit, but if I'm making it, you probably don't want to eat it. Um, all right, let's just dive in. We're continuing our foundation series. Week one, we had talked about how Jesus is our good shepherd. He is the cornerstone that our lives should be built upon. Then we went into the word, the word of God. It is a letter written to you and to me. And it shouldn't just be a book that sits on the shelf and collects dust. It shouldn't just be a book that we bring with us um, on a Sunday morning. It should be something that we uh, take in every single day. And it's a way for God to communicate with us. And there's important stuff that we need to live our lives by in this book. Last week we talked about the importance of prayer. We talked about the importance of prayer. And this is just a, a conversation between you and your creator. You and your Savior. Um, and so we talked about the importance of it, but then also, you know, we got into just even some of the mechanics about just how, how are we supposed to do this? Why are we supposed to do this? When are we supposed to do this? This week, what I want to talk about today is worship. I want to talk about worship. Now, generally, when you hear this, this word worship, your mind goes to what we just did, right? Praise and worship. And we will be talking a little bit about that this morning. But I'm going to break this sermon into two different parts. The first part will be about praise and worship. And um, just I want you to hear my heart on praise and worship and what I uh, want to see and want to continue to see. Actually, before we go any further, don't we have an incredible worship team here at, at Northville? <laughs> These guys, they're absolutely amazing, obviously led by Pastor James, and they're amazing, and they come in and they give their time and their talent, their energy, uh, so that we can all worship in this place. So we're going to talk a little bit about praise and worship and the importance of that, but then the second part of the sermon today is going to be about how our lives need to reflect worship in all areas. Worship is more than a song, and we're going to get into all that here in a few minutes. Before we do, I'm just going to pray that God would bless this time that we have together. Can we pray? Jesus, we give you 
these few minutes. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. Again, not one word of mine. God, speak through me. May it be uh, yours, ordained by you. God, may our hearts be ready to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. So like I said, breaking this up into two parts. First part is about praise and worship. Second part is worship is more than a song. If you're taking notes this morning, which I hope that you are, my first point today is worship gives me perspective. Worship gives me perspective. Now before I dive too far in, I want you to know I love praise and worship. It is so very important to me. Um, I know not everybody feels the same way. Uh, Coming from Long Island, there's uh, a lot of people in the church are former Catholics. And for whatever reason, they're like, I don't get the worship, which I've been to Catholic services. There's some form of worship, you know, there's some songs, but they're like, I don't get it. So we would have people, there's not a lot, but there would be some people that would join halfway through the service just for the word. They would skip worship at the beginning. "Ah, I I don't need all that kind of stuff. And they would just show up for the word. We're glad they're there, but, you know, I, I, I couldn't ever comprehend that. I love, still love, praise and worship. I love to do it by myself. I love to do it with a group of people. Um, but praise and worship, when we begin to worship and we are just understanding who God is and reminding ourselves who God is, it really begins to put things into perspective. There's so many times that we begin to live in our own little bubble, right? And we get wrapped up in our own thoughts and what's important to us. I cannot tell you how many times I will be stressing about something. Just stressed out. And then I'll step back and go, in the grand scheme of things, does this matter? A year from now, is this going to matter? A week from now, is this going to matter? A decent amount of time I say, no, no, it's really not. But when we begin to glorify God, when we remind ourselves who God is, you know, when we're singing worship songs, I don't know if you realize this, they're all biblically based, but some of them are just straight scripture, straight scripture. Some people have said, like, I I can't really memorize scripture. The songs you're singing, you will, as you're doing your devotions, you go, hey, I know this, I know this, I know this. We are singing scripture. We are reminding ourselves who God is. Can you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16? Acts chapter 16. I'm going to share a story that many of you in this room, many of you watching online are familiar with. This is a story about two guys named Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. And they are in Philippi. In the beginning of Acts 16, there's this slave girl who is following them around, and this slave girl is demon-possessed. And how her owners would use her would be to tell the future. Tell everybody what's going to come on, so they would make money off of this slave girl. Well, she began to follow them around, and she is yelling things out like, these men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. This demonic presence within her recognized what they were doing, And she begins to shout this out. And not just once or twice, she is following them around for days and bugging them until finally Paul gets annoyed and casts this evil spirit out. Well, the people making money off of her, you know, she's no longer able to tell people's future or whatever. So now they can't make money. Now they got a problem. So they get in trouble, they get beaten, and they get thrown into jail. So that's actually where I want to pick up. Actually, Acts 16, 20 through 33 is where we're going to be today, where we're going to be reading. Acts 16, verse 20, it starts like this. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates, ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening to them. Let's just pause right there. 
the middle of the night, after being severely beaten in jail, in the worst part of the jail. Jails then aren't like jails now, all right? They weren't watching cable television. They are in an undesirable place after being beaten for doing something good. Then they were lied about, thrown in jail. And what do they begin to do in this horrible situation? They were praying and singing hymns to God. Praying and singing hymns to God. That is incredible. That is an encouragement to me. When I'm going through something, whatever I'm going through isn't as bad as what these guys were going through. And what do they do? They stopped what they were doing. They just said, let's just remember who he is. Let's just thank him for everything that he's done. Let's sing about the goodness of God. Now, when it sings hymns, I don't know exactly what those songs sounded like. I know what hymns are today. I don't know what hymns were at that time. But they begin to sing these songs, praising and worshiping God. Do you know what I begin to do when my life isn't going exactly the way that I want it to? It's not singing. It's whining. Wah, wah, wah. I cannot tell you how many times Amber and I are having a conversation in the car and I'm whining about this and whining about that. And then I'll just go, first world problems, right? Yeah. Honestly, my iPhone 12 got broken. Now I need the iPhone 13. How am I going to make this happen at AT&T? That's the stuff I get all jacked up about. Are you kidding me? These guys were in a much worse situation than I've ever been in in my life. And they were singing hymns to God. And God shows up. And God shows up. Isn't that incredible? Let's just wait right here. And then God shows up. How many times have you been in a situation and you're like, where's God in all this? Start singing hymns. Start praying and singing hymns. He'll show up. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. Can we just wait again, pause again? We are all here. This should be wide open doors for a prison break, all right? They're not at the Holiday Inn. They are in prison. Chains fall off, doors fling open, and what does Paul say? We are all right here. Think about that. Why would these criminals in jail with them stay? Why would they stay? They just listened to two guys who were falsely accused of something, who were beaten, singing praise and worship. You can't tell me that that did not affect all those around them. When you're going through a storm, when you're going through a tough situation in life, and you begin to give praise and glory to God, that's not just for you, that's for people around you too. People will watch you and they will say, Connie is going through something so tough and she's just worshiping God. I got to know more about this God. I'm going to take a guess that these guys want to stick around to see what happened next. Whoever these guys are singing to, whoever they're worshiping, whoever they're praying to, just caused an earthquake that set us all free. I'm going to stick around and see what happens next. The storm you're going through doesn't just affect you. Other people are watching. All right, let's keep going. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Verse 33, at the hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had 
come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Again, these guys are worshiping. Not only are these criminals affected, but now the jailer and his whole family find salvation. Because two guys chose to, they chose to worship in a situation that I wouldn't usually find myself worshiping in. I want to learn from these guys and I want to get to this place. I want to do what they did. But most of the time, again, I'm whining about things that don't matter. They worship God. The other people in the jail were affected. The jailer and his whole household was saved. God never promised safety from the storm, but through the storm. So many times we're praying that God will take the storm away. And listen, I, I can't say that that's bad. I can't say that that's bad. Lord, take the storm away. I get it. But part of our prayer should also be, but if it's going to continue, just keep me safe through the storm. Get me through the storm. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, but now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He'll be there with you through the storm. When we begin to worship, when we begin to lift up the name above every name, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it gives us perspective of who is really in control, who is really in charge. There's no place I'd rather be than out on a limb with God. And I know that sounds corny, and I'm quoting my youth pastor right now. But he used to say that to us all the time. And it is so true. You think you're safe back here. But God's saying, nope, walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. I want to be with him in the storm, through the storm, wherever he's at. That's where I want to be. Point number two. I can't help but worship. I can't help but worship. I want to just share a funny story with you. So um, a lot of you in this room, you guys know our story. You know, Mick and Callie are adopted. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is um, Mick and Callie love to dance. And because luckily for them, they are adopted, they don't have my dancing abilities, okay? They can actually dance. And um, so one time Amber was away and uh, I took Mick and Callie to a wedding um, when we were on Long Island, and weddings there, I mean, they're a big deal everywhere. They're really, really, really big there, really big. And, you know, there's always dancing, okay? There's always dancing at the reception. We go to the reception, and we sit at the table, and so I have Mick and Callie, and they're probably four, five, five, six. I mean, they're younger. And the DJ starts playing music, and Mick is sitting in his chair, and he just can't sit still. He starts moving. And, and I put my hand on his leg, and I'm like, bud, calm down. Like, just, just sit still. And he goes, dad, I can't. His chair starts moving like this. It's on the floor. And I'm like, oh, we're going to scratch the floor or whatever. And, um, and actually, the bride's mom saw what was going on. And she's like, he can go out there if he wants. So they crank up the music. He goes out there. He opened up the dance floor. He started dancing, and everyone else poured into that, onto that dance floor, and uh, he really started the party off with a bang. But when I think about this phrase, I can't help but worship, I think about Mick. We should be to that place where I can't help it. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't help it. I need to worship. I'm passionate about a lot of things. I know I've mentioned it already, <clears throat> but I'm a big University of Michigan fan. Huge University of Michigan fan. To the point where if you ever went to a game or watched a game with me, you would say, who is this crazy guy that I'm sitting next to? My wife often has to remind me, they can't hear what you're yelling right now at the television. I think they can. I would assume the refs can hear exactly what I'm saying and how they blew a call. Like, they have no idea what I'm even saying. I will lose my voice 
at a Michigan game. I've never done it, but I would be one of those crazy dudes to be out there without a shirt on with something painted on my chest. Just pray you never have to see that. <clears throat> That's how passionate I am about my favorite football team. How much more passionate should I be about my Savior? Not one person on that field. Coach Harbaugh didn't go to a cross for my sins. <laughs> my Jesus did. So when we begin to sing and we begin to worship, <clears throat> I'm like Mick, I can't sit still. I can't sit still. I can't keep my arms down. Why? Because he saved me. Because he took my punishment to a cross. He paid a price that I couldn't pay so that I could be with him in paradise someday. I can't help but worship my king and my savior. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. As you're turning there, I just want to give you a little bit of context. In 2 Samuel 5, we read that King Saul, the first king of Israel, had died. So David finally becomes king. <clears throat> and the first thing that he does is he goes and he recaptures Jerusalem. Towards the end of uh, 2 Samuel 5, the Philistines attack because there's a change of power. They're thinking now, you know, there's transition, there should be weakness. So they begin to attack. And David shuts them right down. So at the beginning of 2 Samuel 6, we read that David wants the ark back in Jerusalem where it should be. So they begin moving the ark. And I just want to take a, a quick detour, all right? And just talk about this situation, because I don't know if you've ever read this and gone, wait, what? Why did that happen? They're beginning to move the ark, and as they're beginning to move it, one of the oxen stumbles and it begins to fall off. And this guy, who appears to be helping, puts his hand out to stop it, and what does the Bible say? God kills him, right? Have you ever gone, huh? I have, because I would want to be that guy. I love to help, like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, you'd think it'd be reverent, but this is why. They were moving the ark wrong. They were doing it completely wrong. God had given them very specific instructions. The Levites were supposed to carry it on a pole. They were moving it on a cart with oxen the same, oxen the same way that the Philistines had done. So they were doing things the wrong way. And that is what really got God angry. They were doing it the wrong way. So David says, all right, stop. Stop, stop, stop. We're going to drop this off at this guy's house named Obed-Edom. And it's going to stay until we do this the right way. Stayed there for three months. And God began to bless this Obed-Edom and his entire house. So I want to start reading in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 12. It says, Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when he saw King David leaping, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. Let's skip down to verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from this house when he anointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. 
by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. David couldn't help but worship when he just thought about how good God was. Back to the perspective thing. When you think of where you've come from and what God has done in your life, you can't help but sing a song. I don't care if you got the worst voice in the world. Sing your song. I don't care who you think is watching. Lift up those hands and surrender to him. God, that's me, what we're singing about. I feel that, Lord. You are good. You are amazing. You are holy. I can't stand still. I can't sit still. I can't be calm about what my God has done for me. I will dance. I will sing. I will become even more undignified than this. May that always be the cry of my heart. In a world that we are living in, with Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and everything else, where it's like, hey, look at me, the perfect view and all that kind of stuff. Like, you got to stand a certain way in picture to make your hips look smaller, and you got to do the duck face and all that kind of weird stuff. All we care about is what we look like. And David's saying, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to worship my king. I know what he's done for me. I know what he has saved me from. If Jesus is your savior, you have a song, you have a testimony, and don't ever be quiet because you're afraid of what someone else might think. They're so wrapped up in themselves, they don't care about you. I hate to tell you. I'm just being real. I'm very passionate about this. I want Northville to be a place that worships God wholeheartedly. I don't want people to come into this place and go, I, I, I really don't feel comfortable using my hands or raising my hands because I feel like everyone is going to judge me or care for all that stuff. You know what my encouragement to those people are? They're going after God the same way you are. No one's watching. They're just focused on their king. Their audience of one. That's who we're here to sing to. I can't help but worship my king. Part two, worship is more than a song. Worship is more than a song. This is my third point. Worship costs you something. Worship costs you something. Now, from here on out, when I talk about worship, I'm going to be talking about a lifestyle. I'm going to be talking about the way that we choose to live our lives. Because how many know that there is a time for praise and worship, you know, Hopefully it's every morning for you or when you're on your way to work or, or in the, whenever, whenever. Hopefully it's every day. Hopefully it's every day for you. There's a time for praise and worship. But also, every second of every day should be worship to God. The decisions we make, the actions that we take, whatever we're doing should be worship to our God. The way that you serve where you work should be worship to God. You shouldn't be doing bare minimum just to get that paycheck, just to clock out as soon as you possibly can. People should look at you in the way that you make your choices, decisions, the way that you work at your job and say, there's something different about that person. And that opens up a door, a witnessing opportunity for you to say, everything I do isn't for them, it's for God. Everything that my, my hands find to do, it's for God. That is worship. I want to read a quick story found in John chapter 12, John chapter 12, and this is about Mary and her worship to her Savior. Now again, I want to give you a little bit of context. John 12, we read about Mary and her worship, but in John 11, we read about Lazarus and his sister Mary and Martha. So for us to get to 12, we got to go through 11, right? When you understand someone's life, when you understand what God has done in someone's life, it, it should cause this worship just to pour out of you. John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here at dinner was given in Jesus' honor, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took 
about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she, would, she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So when Mary takes this perfume, and we read in, in some of the other uh, portions of scripture that's in this alabaster box, and she breaks it and she begins to pour it on Jesus. This is extremely expensive perfume. The perfume that she had would cost about a year's wages. The stuff you buy at uh, CVS, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot nicer than that, all right? This is something that she saved, something that she is invested in. And this is an act of worship on Mary's part. Why? Because of what we read about before. She understood who Jesus was. This is the same Mary that sat at the feet of Jesus while Martha was trying to, <clears throat> excuse me, get everything ready and get everything perfect. And where do we find Mary? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, just trying to soak it all in. This is an act of worship on Mary's part. People didn't understand. We see Judas. That could have been sold. We could have used it here. We could have used it there. And Jesus is saying, would you stop? This is what she's called to do. This is what she's been appointed to do. This is her act of worship. Church, when we choose to put Jesus first, when God is number one in our lives, and we choose to worship him every single day, there will be a cost. There will be a cost that people don't understand that you pay. Again, back to the job analogy. If you are there and you are the best employee you can be, whether they treat you that way or not, it's going to cause people to ask questions. You're not doing it for them or for, for Ford or wherever you work. You're not doing that for them. You're doing it for him. But that costs you something. It costs you something. Time, energy, effort, in this case, money. Your worship will cost you something. I am asking that you be willing to pay that price. And that no price would be too high. Imagine a year's wages in a bottle of liquid that smells nice. That's crazy. And then to say, I'm going to worship my Savior by pouring it on him. Some saw it as a waste. People won't understand your worship. They will call it a waste. There are people outside of this place that might think you're wasting your time right now. They wanted to set up brunch, and you said, I'm sorry, I'm going to church. And they thought, what a waste of time. People will not understand your worship. They won't. But worship will cost you everything. Or it will cost you something, and it's worth paying that price. My fourth and final point, and the band can begin to come up. Worship should cost you everything. Worship should cost you everything. I want to read one more quick story. It's found in Luke chapter 21. It's only four verses long. Luke 21 verse 1 says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She put in all she had to live on. Do you know what we're really good at in today's society? I, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like we're good at like kind of compartmentalizing, right? There's a Rascal Flat song, Don't Hate Me for Liking Country Music. There's a Rascal Flat song that talks about how this world's spinning faster than it did in the old days, right? It seems to be. 
so how I deal with that is I compartmentalize things. I have this here, I have this here, I have this here, I have this here, and they don't touch, all right? I eat my meals that way too, as weird as that sounds. But everything has its place. There's compartments. They don't touch. Our worship should not be compartmentalized to Sunday mornings when you're in this place. It shouldn't be compartmentalized to your prayer closet. It shouldn't be compartmentalized just in your car. Your worship should cost you everything. It should be a part of every area, every part of your life, every decision you make should be worship to your king, to your savior, to your redeemer. We shouldn't live one way at home, one way at work, one way in church, another way when we're out with friends. Worship should be, it should just be like a flood through every area of my life. That's what I want. I want it to cost me everything, every area. I don't ever want God to say to me, Ben, let's say I'm standing before him. I die, I'm standing before God, and he says, you did pretty good in 99% of the areas. I'd be heartbroken. I'm not expecting perfection, but I want God to say, you tried in every area. You gave me everything. You held nothing back. This isn't a message about giving and tithing. I, I have no problem with that. I used to talk about it with the kids every single week. But I would share with some adults, imagine God saying, hey, you honored me in every area but your finances. Hey, you honored me in every area but the way that you parented. Hey, you honored me or, or worshiped me in every area but. I don't want that. I want every area of my life to be worship to my God. My social media, I want it to point people to God. My work ethic, I want it to point people to God. The way that I spend, budget my money, I want it to point people to God. This decision that I've made is not compartmentalized. It cost me everything because he gave everything. Church, will you stand with me this morning? You might be in this place or watching online and you've never made a decision to make God number one in your life or you did at one point but when you truly stop and look and you go, he's not anymore. And you need to recommit your life. Or again, maybe this is something for the first time. Today's your day. Pastor Chuck prayed for you this morning in our pastor's meeting. He prayed for you. I believe that there is someone here today that is making a monumental decision to follow God for the first time. This is your time. This is your place. There will be people up front here in a few minutes that want to talk to you and pray with you about that decision. So if God is not number one in your life, I want to encourage you, do not leave this place before making him number one in your life. The second thing that I want to talk to you, talk about, is we're about to go back into a worship song. And this is a time for everybody to respond. That's what it is. Maybe you're in this place, and as I was talking about praise and worship, in regards to a song, you think back to a time where you, you're like, I used to be passionate. I used to raise my hands. These songs used to cause tears to run down my face. But now they don't. Today's the day where you can change that. You can begin to just lift your hands. Go back to that place where you say, Lord, I've, I've considered too much about what other people thought during a worship service. No more. God, I give you everything. And last but certainly not least, maybe you're in this place and you say, Ben, when you talked about worshiping God in every area of my life, I struggle with that. I'm good here on the Sunday morning, but Monday morning, man, I'm a wreck. I'm using language I shouldn't use. I'm doing business deals that I really shouldn't be. Like, 
lots of stuff. I want God. I want to worship God in every area of my life. That comes down. It starts with a decision. And then it's a series of decisions. So today, if you're in this place, again, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. If any of those